This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. We are back after a week off. Brooks was at the beach getting some rest and relaxation, but we're back now for this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Man, you know, our last episode, I felt like we were recording during crazy times, and it just, 2020 is just, it's wild, man. Um, you know, I, I spend an entire week at the beach watching the news and watch the country lit a fire and, you know, in, in both a medic metaphorical and literal sense. And it, it's been pretty amazing to watch Kenny. I don't know how you feel about it just from a, just a high level perspective. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting, um, word do you ever just both of y'all have you ever just kind of felt like words fail at a certain time like right now words just fail right like there's just not enough yeah. words out there to describe you know the the sorrow of um seeing George Floyd die on camera um and then seeing um the mobilization of a the country um chanting just three beautiful words and that's black lives matter. It, it, so it's been this like roller coaster of sorrow and grief, but also at the same time, um, the kind of a sense of hope at the same time. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I mean, you know, let's first just acknowledge, you know, Memphis, some of their staff put out statements this week, Penny Hardaway, Laird Veach, uh, Cody Topper put out one, I believe, last week, if I remember right. And, uh, you know, some of the football staff has also put out their statements. And I haven't said anything. And, you know, I've 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 said a few things on Twitter, but no, like, official. I think people know it's pretty clear when you follow me that I'm, I'm pro-justice, um, pro marginalized so if if there is anyone who is marginalized or um you know been put in a corner i'm on their side and you know a lot of people don't know my story i grew up in the inner city of memphis i grew up in the you know the the shadow of sherwood elementary school right on the border of orange mound um you know, basically in the shadow of the University of Memphis for 15 years of my life, I grew up um, right off of roads. And, 
I grew up in a school in Sherwood Elementary with just a a melting pot of kids. And I grew up in a neighborhood where I, I never realized that other kids were different than me. I didn't realize that their story was different than mine. I didn't realize that they had to deal with stuff that I never had to deal with. And we can have a long conversation about white privilege and, you know, what all goes into that. And I just didn't see any of that stuff when I was growing up. So a lot of why, even when I moved to Birmingham, why my heart was still in Memphis and why I started Go Tigers 247 back then, Memphis Roar, is because I saw a city that just needed people willing to come together around positivity. You know, and I love the city of Memphis with all of my heart, and I love the people, uh, regardless of uh, race or background or neighborhood. And so it's it's amazing to me to sit back and watch all of the things that I've learned since that time as a little kid about how people treat blacks differently in the United States of America and learn and watch all of that come to a head with with really one man's death. You know, I know that there are multiple that went into it over the weeks and months leading up to George Floyd, but man, I tell you what, a buddy of mine from work, um probably one of my best friends here in Birmingham, I was talking to him and he, you know, he he was like, I, I just, it really bugs me. I think I told you guys this story last night. It really bugs me when people say we need another Martin Luther King. We need somebody speaking that truth to my people right now, to, to black people across the country, organizing them, speaking truth in powerful ways. Um, he goes, we don't need another Martin Luther King. George Floyd is that Martin Luther King in 2020. He goes, Martin Luther King he drove people to action. He he called people to action. He he called the systemic powers that that created a lot of the problems back then on the carpet while he was alive. And his death spurned on an entire movement after he was dead. But George Floyd, he's he's creating an entire generation of young people uh, and people who have been suffering this for years after he died, not while he lived, not with the words that he said, but by the fact that the only words he could say as he took his last breath were, I can't breathe. And, you know, to me, that's one of the most profound things I've heard throughout this entire process. And I'm, I'm a white dude. And I just rely on people like, my my good friend Murph and the the other people around me that I I'm just here to listen, you know. At some point, my words aren't good enough. Um, now I have two extremely racist neighbors, and I I had a flat out come to Jesus conversation with my my neighbor that I guess he just I guess he never really knew that. Like I'm, I'm not down for that. So he made a comment and it wasn't like overtly racist, but for the first time in my life, I just feel like I, 
I almost feel like I've been given permission to like just straight up call people out. I don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah. And you, you mentioned something to me that's very interesting that I've, I've really kind of carried throughout the process of seeing all this unfold. And it's that, you know, if you just listen and read and pay attention to some of these testimonies from the black population, from the African American community and see what they're saying and listen to their stories, it is so powerful. And that it's terrible that it has to come out of a tragedy uh, like George Floyd and, and Brooke, some of the other uh, killings that you've mentioned from police forces. Uh, it's it's sad that it has to come from a tragedy, but this is extremely powerful. Uh, there have been other other situations like this where there have been protests and, and riots and stuff like that, but there's just something different about this one. I, I guess with the global pandemic that we're in and the time that we're in, it's just a different time for people to sit back, especially as as a white man, to sit back and just listen to how powerful this is and be behind the African-American community. And Brooks, like you said, uh, to speak up when you do hear things like that is so important for us because we've never been in that situation. We've never been uh, pulled over by a police officer and racially profiled. It's never happened to me. And uh, it, it's it's terrible that it does happen and, and that it still is a thing. Um, but it's been so powerful to watch how many people come together uh, I think the city of Memphis has been incredible in this time with what they've done and peaceful protests. And and something that Kenny mentioned earlier to me was was also really powerful and really moving in the fact that uh, there's only so much we can do as white people. You know, obviously, as I mentioned, speak up for the African-American community, uh, let them know that we're backing them, let people know that it that it is wrong to say uh, racist or, you know, racially insensitive things at any time. Uh, but Kenny said something very interesting. He said, I've kind of stayed off of social media and and not put a ton of stuff out there, maybe just retweet some stuff. But I'm doing my part by showing my kids what's going on in this world right now and showing them that that is not right. That is not how the world should be. There should not be you know, racial inequality, racial injustice, police brutality, and teaching the next generation things that the generation before them may have not been taught. So I think that's it's very powerful all the way around. Uh, it's it's amazing to see a group of people come together. Like I mentioned, it's it's sad that it has to come through tragedy, um, but but obviously it's it's been cool to see all these people come together uh, for one specific movement and for for a change. You talk about talking to your kids, and man, last Wednesday night we were watching the news, and Lane, my son, my eight year old son, was asking all kinds of questions, and. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, try to do our best. I, you know, there's a book that I, I read called Raising White, White Kids in Racist America. Um, and I thought I was prepared for that conversation last Wednesday night as I was watching all this stuff on the news and I was not. Um, so I'm having this conversation with Lane and trying to go through kind of the history in a very high level way. And you know, he, I'm telling him about the way that, you know, people used to be enslaved and, uh, the way they were treated after slavery and all the things that were done to the African-American community, even after quote unquote, the equal rights, you know, the civil rights movement. And, and then we talked about what happened with George Floyd and he, he just kept asking, but why? 
and then like he has no idea and it just it's so hard for me as a dad to be like sitting here watching my son who who just is completely innocent and wants to love people i mean that's the biggest thing we talk to him about is having a good heart and loving people and he's just so confused by it he's like but why would people treat people like that why I mean, you look at it through the eyes of a kid, and it's so simple. Like, why would you do that? On a personal note, um, you know, it, it's been weird because um, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this episode that don't know who I am. And um, this is, number one, it's what Christian said and what Brooks have, has repeated over and over again on this this podcast episode is this is not about us. Um, so as I kind of insert a little bit of personal, um, you know, my own personal life into it. I, I don't want to distract from the, what the actual, um, story is and what the most important part of this is. But, um, in July of 2016, um, before I started working for go tigers, two, four, seven, um, my prior job, my previous job was, I was a manager of recording artists, specifically a couple of artists out of, Houston, Texas, and Miami, Florida. One guy's name is Reconcile. Um, it's his rap name, but his real name is Ronnie Lillard. And um, another guy by the name of Corey Paul. And Corey and Ronnie are both, um, they both lived in Houston, Texas for a long time. And we were doing a show in Missouri, um, July 6th of 2016. And um, the night, I think it was at like on July 5th, late at night, um, in Louisiana, um, a um, black man named Alton Sterling was murdered by police out in front of a gas station for, um, selling, um, CDs out in front of a gas station. Um, the video came out, everybody saw it. It was brutal. Um, I, Drove to uh, drove from Memphis to Little Rock, Arkansas, to pick both of them up. They both flew in from their respective homes, and I uh, picked them up at the airport in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we drove through Arkansas down to Missouri to a concert, to a conference and concert event that we were going to be a part of that night. And we had to drive through um, a place called Harrison, Arkansas. We had to drive through a bunch of different places in Missouri um, that were overtly racist overtly like you could tell like Harrison Arkansas um, its reputation is one that it is where the Ku Klux Klan in 2020 is where it is that is the most prominent city for the Ku Klux Klan um, and stupidly I'm driving my car and I forget to get gas before we drive through Harrison and um, we're going through Harrison and I have to stop and pull over and get gas or we're going to get stuck on the side of the highway. So it's me and two black men in my car in Harrison, Arkansas. And, um, I had to tell the guys, um, with Alton Sterling fresh on my mind being murdered outside of a gas station, um, to not get out of the car, stay in the car. Um, please don't get out. Um, just don't show your faces. So I get the gas and we get out, we get to Missouri, we do the concert. And by the time the concert is over on July 6th, all of a sudden across the newswire, across our phones, we get these notifications that a young man named Philando Castile was murdered. Um, and I think it was in Minnesota. So it was literally within 
less than 24 hours, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile had been murdered. Um, Philando Castile was um, told to um, was told to he told the police officer, "Hey, I have a gun, license to license to carry. Um, I'm all good." He re- the guy tells him to get his license. He, the police officer tells him to get his license. He reaches down to get his license and gets shot. Um, and I remember we're sitting in this room and we're sitting there talking and, and it just was like, just all three of us were just devastated and just like, okay, what is going on? And I'm listening to Corey and I'm listening to Ronnie talk and we're just devastated by what's happening. And then, um, and then we, I take them back to little rock to the airport and I remember dropping them off at the airport at like two in the morning for their flight. And I dropped them off and it's like this overwhelming sense of dread came over me. I'll never see these guys again. These are my, some of my best friends. I'll never see them again. And I remember getting out of the car and just hugging both of them just tight. Like, just please be safe. Please be safe. The reason I told that story is just because of the personal, personal part of it. But then also at the same time, it was wild to me. It's, it's, it's easy to look at the situation with George Floyd and, and, and go, okay, what was going on in that situation? But, but Ronnie and Corey knew George from Houston, Texas. Um, he was a part of the church that they had started in Houston, Texas. Um, he was, they called, Corey Paul calls him, the, called George Floyd the, his man of peace, which means for them to be able to get into the third ward neighborhood in Houston where they were trying to, to do these things in a, an apartment complex called Cunny Homes, um, they needed somebody who was, um, what they call an OG in that neighborhood that they could get in there and, and actually be safe and be protected and that, that everything would be okay. Well, George Floyd was that guy for them. And, and so while I'm seeing George Floyd murdered on a screen over here, I'm seeing my friends, Corey and Ronnie talking about George Floyd. And it just, it, it broke me down in a way that I don't, think that I've ever experienced anything like that before. And again, this isn't about me. Um, but this is about all of us together, right? Like this is about all of us. Um, like Christian said a few minutes ago, just uniting around, um, people that, that have been mistreated and marginalized their entire life. And, um, our words are are very minor in all of this, which is kind of why I think all three of us have stayed pretty quiet, just because we wanted to take a step back and listen and learn and support. Um, but I know we wanted to keep this short, but I'm so I'm gonna let it go now. But that's it, it, it's just been. I'll just say it, and I think I speak for all of us: just that Black Lives Matter, and um, not only do they matter, but they're cherished. They're beautiful. Um, we need um, uh, this 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 country. Um, the beautiful part about this country is it's our is our diversity and our um, the fact that we have um, people of all experiences and all races and all genders and all religions all living in this one place together, and it just makes this beautiful. And and here's here's how I want to close this. Every person listening to this podcast, every recruit that we recover, every handler, every trainer, every coach that we've ever come in contact, 
every single one of them has a story just like every single other American. And, you know, for me, I cherish those stories. That's why we do what we do. We want to give life and positivity and breathe that into those stories from a basketball perspective. And what's so beautiful about just having open dialogue like we're having right now is that that's what allows you to see other people's stories. And so I would just encourage people listening. Um, you know, if, if you're still, you know, you're like, Oh, well, I don't want to be a sheep or I don't want to just buy into the hype of the media or what, you know, if open your ears, take some time to listen to some people's stories, have dialogue. And that's all we can do for right now. That's all we can do is just listen and learn. And here's the the biggest thing I'm learning as a parent. It's okay to admit that you're wrong when you learn something new and to change. So, you know, if, if you're out there and you kind of feel like you're an old guard and you've got your, your way set, it's okay to change. Um, nobody's going to come hunt, hunt you down. The, uh, the, the transformation is what's beautiful in all of this. So, uh, guys, you want to take a quick break and then come back on the other side? Let's do it. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back, everybody, from the break in your ears. Kenny. <laughs> Making fun of Kenny again. Um, yeah, so, all right, so I let's feel get like to I'm this. i made fun of. You are, always. Thank you. So that's part of the love here is we can uh, we can say stuff like that and still love each other. Uh, but you know, w- without further ado, let's let's get to some sports. I know that during times like this, sports oftentimes are a welcome distraction and a way to bring us together uh, in ways that other things don't. So let's let's actually talk some Memphis news uh, while I was gone. Uh, the story came out that Mike Miller was stepping down from his assistant coaching position at the University of Memphis, a story that we have dominated for I can't even remember how long. Uh, Easily from three, four, three to four months. Easily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since maybe in March. Uh, yeah. You know, and then the, the, actual, the actual story that Mike Miller would be Exploring new options uh, was wink, wink. we posted on VIP on May the 29th. So, uh, you know, didn't shock anyone that is a VIP, VIP member of Go Tigers 247. It has been <laughs> such a long time since we've done this. Uh, so, 
nothing shocking. The shocking thing to me that's come out of all of this is the reaction of fans and people within the city of Memphis about Mike Miller leaving. So what I want to say about that is that I'm going to do a full deep dive into Mike Miller's two-year tenure at Memphis, what it means for him leaving, and where does Memphis go from here on our VIP podcast that we are recording immediately after this one and publishing on the site. So if you're listening to this, you're not a VIP member, you can join for a dollar for the first month. It's super cheap. It's cheaper than McDonald's coffee. So head over and better than McDonald's coffee. It's way better. (laughs) Uh, So that that's really all I've got to say about that. But Christian and Kenny, do y'all have any reaction to Mike Miller, the news that happened? No, I mean, if I was anybody else, I'd probably be surprised. But uh, when you got the uh, the guy that knows more about Memphis basketball and what's going on with inside the program at all times, uh, nothing really tends to surprise you. So it wasn't surprising. It's something that we've prepared for uh, for a while now. Uh, it's it is what it is. Uh, it's it's like kind of like you said. It's been interesting to see the reaction. There's been fans on both sides of the fence. Uh, some that think you know the world's coming to an end with no Mike Miller and what's it going to mean for recruiting. Uh, etc and then the other people that are just like eh, okay it's fine no big deal penny will find somebody uh but before we move on i do want to say that you don't want to miss out on what brooks has to say about mike miller his tenure at memphis it is going to be nuts i i don't think there's anybody else in the city or that has ties to the program uh from a media perspective or or anything like that that knows anything that brooks is going to say uh, it's it's some crazy stuff. He may even drop some some tidbits on on uh, potential new assistant coaches. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. But even if he doesn't, the stuff that he has to say about Mike Miller is absolutely nuts, and you do not want to miss that on the VIP podcast. And if I can if I can speak into that for a second too, like there's a lot of times throughout these Tigers and Twenty episodes where we talk about VIP and joining the VIP family and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, and there's times where I'll go, it's like it is so worth it. But I'm telling you, Christian hit the nail on the head. If there is ever a time for you to join the Go Tigers two four seven VIP family, it is absolutely um, tonight, so that you can. Uh, access these VIP podcasts because you know the I think Brooks is going to really lay out for you and it's going to help I think a lot figure out like what did the Tigers do moving forward and um and I I have a sneaking suspicion I I'll say this and you relieve Christian and Brooks from having to say this um this podcast that we're going to do after immediately after this will absolutely change change the conversation in the Memphis media about this this whole Mike Miller leaving situation. You're going to see a noticeable difference in the in the conversations that happen. So um, it is absolutely important for you to to listen to this. Join the Go Tigers two four seven VIP family. All right, Christian. We had other news that we yet again. Yeah, like <laughs> Brooks Brooks goes out of town at the worst times when uh, everything starts to happen. Uh, so also last week it was broken by I believe Jonathan Giveney of ESPN. Yep. Yes. Draft Express. Uh, yeah. That uh that Musa Cisse was officially reclassifying to the 2020 class and was supposed to make a decision last week. That was the initial news. 
Um, no, once again, no surprise when you got Brooks Hansen on your side and, and you talk to him every day for hours a day, uh, you know everything that's going to happen. That's something that has been rumored for a while, and, and I think we really led the charge on that, and uh, and obviously it came to fruition. Uh, but at this point, obviously, Musa Cisse did not make a decision last week. There's been no movement there. Uh, Brooks, I know you have an update with that. Is that something that you want? to put out on here? Is that something you're, you're wanting to keep close to the vest for right now? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll say this, I'll go into it more on, on the VIP podcast, but, uh, and we've already spoken to this some on our message boards, but don't sit at your keyboard this week hitting refresh. I'll just say that I'll leave it at that. And, uh, just say that, you know, Memphis fans still need to be tuned into this. Don't, don't believe the hype that this thing is over. You know, I'll, I I respect our national guys and and a lot of the uh, you know team site guys that run the respective team sites, but I'll just tell you you know there have been times when they've been dead wrong. There have been times where I've been dead wrong, and it happens. And there are times where you feel completely confident in the information you have, and this is one of those times. So I will just say that that I, I feel confident with where I am, with my understanding of this thing and where it's headed. So I'd say stay tuned, but no need to sit and refresh your keyboard with the F5 button every two minutes to see if Musa CCA has committed yet. So what else is going on? We got uh So, so on the we got on the same Musa Cisse note, uh Kenny and I actually went out today, which is we're recording this on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, Kenny and I went out and got to watch Team Thad do a little scrimmage. Uh, so obviously, Musa Cisse was out there. Uh, Carter Witt, who's a Memphis offer, was out there when his first game with Team Thad, even though it's unofficial game, his first run with Team Thad, uh, and a couple of other guys that you know that Memphis has shown interest in and talked to, uh, but not yet offered. And and Kenny, I'm gonna kick it over to you and and let you break down a little bit uh, from what you saw today from Team Thad and some of the guys that Memphis is after. It was interesting being back in the gym and seeing um, a run again. Like, that was really cool. Um, uh, there was some fantastic talent on uh, the Team Thad team. Um, obviously, you mentioned we had Carter Witt on the team. We had Musa Cece on the team, um, Alden, Alden Applewhite, Cameron Jones, a um, bunch of, bunch of top-level talent Um one one thing I will say is that you can tell that there's been a quarantine going on for three months. Um, that's which is I I don't think anybody should be surprised that there was a little bit of rust out there. Um, it was, you know, I've seen Musa play a few times. Um, I've seen Alden play a few times. It was my first time to get to see Carter play, and um, Carter Witt is a um, he has a um, a pretty pretty good skill set you know he's a you could tell he's a thinking point guard you can tell he's got a um uh he he loves to get other people involved he's always thinking about you know where the best pass to go all this kind of stuff but then one of the interesting things that I noticed about him is his ability to finish at the basket um Christian and I both at the same time were like wow like his dexterity in his body his fluidity in his hips his ability to to body control in the air um it's absolutely not on the same level, but imagine like when you see highlights of Kyrie Irving in the NBA, 
being able to just get the ball up on the backboard and it just finds its way into the basket. It's, it's what we kind of experienced a little bit with Carter today where you just like, how did that go in? Like he's, he's about a six, two, six, three point guard. How did that just go in over monsters that are in the paint? Like, how did that happen? And he did it. Um, you know, obviously coming out of a quarantine, there's some things that, are, that need to be worked on, you know, some skills that need to be kind of fine tuned and, and, and things like that. I would say, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed that that can be fixed relatively quickly is just ball handling skills. Um, they're not as tight as you would expect a kid of his caliber, um, his ranking to be. Um, but Carter's a fantastic player. It was really cool getting to see him play. Um, secondly, man, Musa. Whew, um, first time I saw him walk in the door today, I texted both Brooks and Christian and I said, oh, my God, Musa's been lifting weights. Um that kid is a monster, and he's got he's not just tall, but he is like his shoulders are like he's packed on a lot of muscle on those shoulders on that on that frame um and and he is just a he is an athletic freak unlike anything I've seen in a very long time um we were trying to compare a little bit Christian and I today we're trying to compare a little bit about you know, who obviously the, the last great center that played, well, we think is going to be a great center in the NBA is James Wiseman, the number one recruit in the nation last year. Um, we got to see James play a lot. We got to see Musa play a lot, trying to compare the two a little bit. And, um, one of the things that we always talked about with James was how quickly he got up and down the floor, how, how like a deer he was up and down the floor. His speed and lateral quickness does not compare to Musa Cisse's. Musa is faster and more athletic in every sense of the word. Um, he is just a fantastic athlete. Um, the things that I would say, if, if Tiger fans are looking forward to figuring out if Musa is going to play for the Tigers next year, um, if I'm a Tigers fan and I think about Musa Cisse and what he could bring to the floor, Musa is going to immediately revolutionize and change the defensive, um, the 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 front court of the Tigers. He is an automatic, um, probably the best shot blocker in college basketball. Um, he is his ability to jump, second jump. His Christian put it perfectly. He, he used words that I don't know what they mean. I had to look him up, but his spatial awareness um, is incredible. Um, he sees things and does things on the defensive end of the floor that I've. The only comparable person I've seen in, in high school like him is Nerlens Noel when Nerlens was a senior in high school before he went to Kentucky for his freshman year. Um, he, he's just an athletic freak on the defensive end. He is raw as hell on the offensive end. Um, he's working. He's putting on weight. He's working hard. Um, but there's a lot of growth there. And he's an athletic enough of a freak to get it done. Um, to be that offensive uh, offensive uh, player that he can be. Musa Cisse is going to make millions of dollars in the NBA just from defense and rebounding alone. Like, I'll just throw that out there. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive player. Um, I've talked enough. I'll let it go back over to you, Christian. <laughs> I know when you get rolling, it's hard to get you to stop. Uh, but yeah, I'm like a train. You... <laughs> yeah. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> So bad. So bad. And a goof. As I said a couple weeks ago, you're a dang goof. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's always funny when me and Kenny are on the baseline and watching basketball together because it's like we, we share a brain when we, when we watch basketball because every time something specific happens and it doesn't have to be something that stands out to the typical eye or the casual eye watching a game, we immediately look at each other and, the, and say the same thing. And it's so weird. I don't even know if Kenny's noticed that, but we've been doing it the whole time we've been watching basketball together. And there was a couple times today where it happened, uh, you know, one specifically, is Kenny mentioned Musa's second jump. And that's something that you hear a lot nowadays. Obviously, with the caliber of athletes that play basketball nowadays, you hear it a lot more. It's not something you heard much back in the day, but now it's very relevant, and you hear it uh, talked about all the time. It's something that Musa has. Um, not many people have a special elite second bounce. Uh, I think when you when you hear that word, the main person you think about is Zion Williamson. And Musa showed multiple times today. I mean, he can he can go up to block a shot. It can get kicked out. And he can go up immediately again and block a shot. So that's a rare ability. It takes a special kind of athlete to have a second jump and second bounce that can that can uh, equate to block shots and and rebounds and snatching snatching the ball off the backboard. Uh, so I I don't think there's much we can say about Musa that hasn't been said before. Uh, he's a top ten player in the country for a reason. Um, Kenny talked a little bit about Carter Witt. Uh, I can't do anything really but echo what he said about his his body control and body dexterity down low was very impressive. If anybody, I'm sure everybody knows who Carter Witt is now. I know we've talked about him for a while. Uh, he's a top 75 player in the class, um, a point guard. Kenny mentioned his uh, his ball control. I, I really attribute that to, to Rust and not playing and not having live action for a few months. Uh, from all the highlight and all the film I've watched, he he's a better ball handler than he showed today. So I, I don't I don't think that's anything to worry about. I do think he is a good ball handler. I think he has good court vision. Uh, there's obviously a reason that Memphis is so interested in him. So those two guys stood out. Uh, I know in the city of Memphis, everybody loves the local guys, even if Memphis isn't necessarily recruiting them. Uh, Alden Applewhite runs with Team Thad. He was very impressive today. Uh, Kenny and I really love watching the way he shoots his mid-range jump shots, especially when contested. Uh, he's very good when contested when he has pressure. Uh, a couple other guys, Cameron Jones, I believe is at ECS Brooks. Is that correct? Yeah, Christian. Cameron Jones is a class of 2021 guard. He's not really a point guard, but he's at ECS. Yeah, definitely definitely more of a two guard from what I saw today and from what I've seen on film. Uh, came back and actually watched some of his film the day after watching him play. He is so confident in his shot. Uh, he shot multiple threes today. Didn't matter how deep. If he felt like he had an open shot, he was taking it. Uh, he recently got a Florida offer. I don't even. I couldn't even find him on two four seven. So I don't even think he's ranked yet. But he's definitely somebody to watch. Uh, if you if you just turn on his film, see the way he shoots, see his confidence. Uh, he's not. He's not a bad passer either. He's a good passer. He's aggressive. Uh, so I think he's somebody that we'll find in the rankings relatively soon, and and has obviously picked up a big offer from Florida. So uh, there are definitely some impressive guys for Team Thad. I mean, there's a reason they won the UAA Finals last year. Uh, now we'll be on the EYBL circuit when there is AAU basketball again. Uh, so it was fun. It was as Kenny said. It was nice to. It was nice to get back on the court. It's the first time we've seen live basketball in person since the last Memphis game. There's another example. I want to just give you another example from today. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, how sad it is for some of these players that aren't getting the chance to be on the circuit and be seen. Um, the evaluation period has been pushed back, and they're still trying to figure out when that, what that's going to look like. 
there was a kid that came from Jackson, Tennessee today that um, Christian and I were standing on the sideline before the game and we were talking to talking to him. And um, Christian looks at me while they're in the warmups and he goes, that kid's got bunnies. And I was like, huh? So I look at him. The kid's like 6'1". Um, Christian, his name was Jalen. And I can't Jaylen remember. Ander- Jalen Anderson, he's from Southside in Jackson, Tennessee. Gonna be a gonna be a senior in high school next year, um, and is not ranked. Has zero offers. Six foot one, and and I'm telling you, this kid is a dog. I'm gonna be putting. I'm gonna put this video on the Go Tigers two four seven Instagram page. Um, before the game, we were talking to him. Super nice kid, and I go, Hey man, you gonna you gonna get you gonna get Musa tonight? And he looks at me, and goes, Well, I'm gonna try. I'm telling you guys, this kid went down the middle of the lane in the first half of that game and yammed on on Musa, like yammed right over on the him. top of him. Right over, over the top. Not of many him. dudes get to do that. No, over the top of him. It was insanity. And this kid isn't going to get a chance to get looked at this year and going into a senior year. Um, and so we're going to be promoting him a little bit, not because you know. He's just one of those kids, man, that I that I, I'm sad for because he literally just went up against the second best center in the in the in the class and at six foot one yammed on his face. It was pretty awesome. And I will say this: Musa got him back really bad in the second half and came up to him on the baseline, standing next to me and Christian, and go, "I got you. We're even." <laughs> so, pretty awesome. Well, Cameron Jones is another example, and we talked about this, you know, with with yeah. COVID nineteen and the shutdown, and you know, everybody being in quarantine and basketball being shut down. the The sad matter of the fact is that the spring evaluation period, summer evaluation period, going away, there are a ton of guys that would get attention that they, you know, otherwise now they're not going to, and. So it, it sucks, you know, you, you're going to have to figure it out. You know, this is why you've got so many schools relying on the transfer portal, on JUCOs, um, you know, and you're starting to see a wave of coaches even starting to rely on D2. You know, you've seen more D2 guys moving up to high major Division One basketball this year than you've ever seen. And, you know, I've, I've talked to coaches about it. A lot of it is – that schools right now, these coaches are scared to go out, evaluate a player on film, not be 100% sure, take the player, invest two to three years in them, have them turn out at a really high level, and then lose them to the transfer portal. They don't want to. They don't want to spend the time and resources it takes to develop these guys. They just want to go out and get a dude that's already proven himself that's just a you know one year fixer upper for their roster and and call it a day. And you know, who really loses out is is guys like Ja Morant, you know, the next Ja that that nobody's seen, nobody's ranked, nobody's given a star to. And is just willing to come into a gym, work, develop, and turn into an NBA Rookie of the Year. That's who it hurts. Absolutely. So we are going to take one more quick ad break here from our sponsors. And we will be back with the two newest Memphis offers that were broken by, guess who? Go Tigers 247. 
world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! So, Brooks, as I mentioned before the break, we were going to get back into it with two of Memphis's newest offers, two five-stars from the 2022 class, Justice Williams, who's a 6'3 guard, and Jalen Duran, who's a 6'10 center. Uh, former teammates, Jalen Duran's now headed to Montverde, uh, but Justice Williams is still in Philadelphia, I believe. Correct? Yes. I always second-guess myself when I'm with Brooks because <laughs> I don't want to sound dumb. Uh, but anyways, Brooks, uh, we, we broke the news on both of those new offers, uh, for the fans, obviously the two brand new offers say I'm sure they don't know much about them yet. Break down a little bit, uh, about both of those players and, and what type of players they are on the floor. Yeah. So let's start with Jalen Durham because the, that offer came first and he's the higher rated of the duo. Uh, Duran is, you know, he's a monster. He's 16 he just finished his sophomore year in high school and he just looks like a, a greek god um i mean he's just huge you know flashes moments of extreme skill in the post and footwork um you know but just from a sheer physical perspective he is well advanced like beyond comparison with his peers and let's just Let's just pr- break it down this way. Jalen Duran is the number two overall rated player in the class of 2022. Any other class? Any other class. Imani no- Bates is a generational talent, and he may be one of the generational talents of generational talents. He is that good. Imani Bates is one of the highest, if not the highest rated player ever in the history of 247 sports ratings. You know, he is a perfect score of 100, and you just don't see that. So Jalen Duran is right behind him at .9996. So that should tell you how good Jalen Duran is. He's, he's that close to being the number one player in the class. It's just he just happens to fall behind a dude that just comes once every 10 to 20 years. Um, you know, so Jalen Duran, extremely, extremely good prospect. I'm going to go more into him on the VIP podcast. Some people have already asked the question, will he even play college basketball? And I'll go into that. Justice Williams is a six three six four shooting guard who is, man, I, I'll say it this way. And it's not because of his athleticism. He's in my eyes, he's electric because of how well he's able to get his own shot off and how he's able to create space for him and others. Um, you know, Kenny said you use the words constantly probing, and that is a great description of Justice Williams. He's he's always feeling out the defense, always creating new space. Uh, just by you know moving him himself, changing direction, moving himself within space. Uh, extremely smart and crafty player has a tremendous mid mid range game, uh, but he's number twenty four overall in the two four seven sports composite. Still a five star, so heck of a prospect. Honestly, I would not be shocked if he ended up somewhere in the top. 15 to 18 range 
when when everything is said and done. He's he's a guy that has a ton of potential and a very high ceiling. So two guys that Memphis fans should be very excited about. And I tweeted this. This is only the beginning for Memphis with Philly. I mean, you look, they're already prioritizing two guys in the class of 2021 in John Camden and Sam Ayomide Onu. Um, and I, I have no idea if I got that name right, but I probably got it wrong. Everybody knows I don't do names. So, um, so that's four guys in Philly and there are more coming. So, you know, Memphis is planting its foot firmly in Philly and saying, we want to get dudes from here. We, we want to prioritize Philly. Uh, and you know, honestly, I visited Philly in 2019. It was one of my favorite random trips, uh, of my life inside the United States. Uh, I love Philly. So I'm all about go Tigers two, four, seven, taking a little road trip up to Philly and doing some, uh, film room stuff. So stay tuned. I think Jalen Duran might be worth it. I'm the only one out of the trio that hasn't been to Philly. And it pisses me off because Philly cheesesteaks are top Ooh. two or three in my favorite foods. And I want to go. So Kenny went last year and he bragged to me so much when he came back. So we're doing hopefully, it. Hopefully we get to go because I will definitely be looking forward to that. Uh, but before we get out of here, I know we got, we, we just go long now. This is just a, this is just a reoccurring theme. This is <laughs> no not Tigers in, Tigers in 20 th- th- anymore. This has never been Tigers in 20. We Brooks came up with a great creative name off the rip. It has never once been 20 minutes. Not one single <laughs> time has this thing been 20 minutes. Tigers in um, 20 times three. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but before we get out of here, I do want to talk a little bit about football recruiting. I know it falls by the wayside. I know it doesn't push. Uh, content like basketball recruiting it's not the same but if you look at what coach silverfield and the staff are doing in this class they're building a very very strong class already with seven commits up to number three in the conference number 65 in the country uh, as of james stewart's commitment on monday Uh, i don't want to get too much into him uh, because i've already broken him down and did an interview with him but if you haven't checked out his highlights yet you'll definitely want to brentwood constantly turns out good defensive linemen and he's another one uh, kind of in that pack, and Memphis has him on board. Had some very nice offers with Indiana, Kentucky, and Army. Uh, but just want to give a little tidbit, there are more dominoes to fall very soon, very soon. So stay tuned to football recruiting. Uh, I'll be posting some updates on the VIP boards in the next couple of days about, about some other dominoes that can fall. But I think this could potentially be the best class they've ever had as far as average recruiting ranking, which will be the third year in a row that they've done that. Uh, the two past years with Mike Norvell, they bumped up that average recruiting recruiting ranking both years. I think they're on track to do that again this season uh, with some of the guys that they're in with and some of the guys that they already have on board. So I know the five stars and Penny Hardaway and Memphis basketball gets all the attention for recruiting, but Memphis football is, is really good for a reason. And it's because the staff knows how to identify, recruit, and develop talent. So I uh, just want to give a quick heads up on some Memphis football recruiting stuff and let you guys know to stay tuned coming up. Last thing real quick, I wanted to get y'all's two reaction, um, the two of y'all, I wanted to see y'all's reaction on the national 247 guys not ranking the Tigers in the top 25. What's oh up? Oh, my God. What's up? I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first because I, I know this pissed me off, and I told you guys that yesterday. Not because I'm some biased Memphis media guy, but just because I, I'm a huge fan of college football, always have been, love the game. 
uh, feel like I have a ton of knowledge about the game from top to bottom, regardless of the team. It doesn't matter. I pay attention to all of it. And Cincinnati is ranked in the top 25 of the 247 sports staff uh, there in the top of their list over Memphis. That makes no sense. None. Memphis, Memphis beat Cincinnati twice last year, including once for the conference championship. They bring back uh, arguably the best quarterback in the conference, arguably the best receiver in the conference, and no argument, the best running back in the conference. So No uh, argument. No zero. There should be zero argument that Kenny Gainwell is the best running back in the conference, uh, and they also bring back the vast majority of their defensive starters. So it really doesn't make much sense to me. I know talk is cheap at this time. It doesn't matter. Memphis could be ranked in the top twenty-five right now and go, you know, seven and five next season. It it it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter who's ranked where. Um, but just for the just for the fact of Cincinnati being in the top twenty-five and Memphis not being. Makes makes zero sense to me, but as we all know, as Memphis fans know, the University of Memphis gets zero, zero love when it comes to football, regardless of how good they are year in and year out. I got nothing else Christian said at all. I mean, Christian, like real quick, do you, I mean, do you think that the reason they're not ranked is because of a coaching change? Or, I mean, because you, you talked about the that it's really not that important right now, but it kind of is because the narrative has to be like, there has to be the narrative in place that the team is good enough to be in the top 25 for them to be, even be able to be in a discussion for, you know, the, the bowl games and things like that. Like it's very important for them to be as high as they can possibly be in all rankings because just of the narrative that's out there. About well, I wanted to jump in before Christian, because I actually have a thought, a football thought that I think is original so I wanted to get it in while I could. Go for it. I, I personally think it has to do with, one, look, Memphis just had probably one of its most successful draft years ever. So you automatically see that and assume, one, Memphis lost a ton of talent, you know, a bunch of NFL-level talent. And second, some of that talent that Memphis is losing is on the offensive line. And I know that Bud Elliott, one of the voters, places a huge emphasis on the offensive line. And they could say, well, you know, you can have a great quarterback and a great running back, but if your offensive line is porous, then your offense isn't going to be as good. And, and you know, I'm trying to make excuses for them and say maybe it wasn't about the transition between Norvell to Silverfield. Christian, do you agree with that, or do you think it's totally about Silverfield? I mean, I think I definitely think that's a good point and a good argument. I mean, you lose three guys to the NFL in the draft alone, just with Antonio Gibson, Chris Claybrooks, and Dustin Woodard, and then Patrick Taylor, who signed undrafted free agent deal, Bryce Huff, who was one of the best defensive players on conference. So I think that definitely plays a part in it. And if this was a one-off, I would completely agree with that. But when you look at ESPN's rankings that they put out a couple months ago, Memphis was the sixth uh, group of five team in the country. And that they were behind Navy. They were behind Cincinnati, Navy, UCF, Boise State, uh, and and maybe one other team. I they was they were fifth or sixth in Group of Five ranking. So I think a lot of people are in prove it mode when it comes to Coach Silverfield. But I think an argue, argument can be made that this staff is better than any staff Memphis has ever had. Uh, Mike McIntyre alone moves the needle for this team. I mean the the guy was at the AP coach of the year four years ago 
and you know was a defensive coordinator in the SEC last year. So him alone moves the needle. And then he brings Charles Clark with him. You bring in Burt Watts, who's been a defensive coordinator at Fresno State. Uh, really the only thing that it could be as far as the coaching staff would be Silverfield. And I, I guess it doesn't make sense as a first-time head coach. He was an offensive line coach. Uh, but when you see how much the team and the program has has bought into him, I don't I don't think there's any red flags. Uh, obviously, we'll have to see it on the field. We won't know until we see what what kind of product they put on the field. But I think the biggest aspect of it, from the all around ratio, seeing how many uh, different organizations and outlets have had Memphis outside the top twenty five or uh, you know fifth or sixth in a group of five teams, I think it, I think the common denominator there has to be coaching because I don't think every analyst is gonna you know, pay as much attention as, okay, they lost two offensive linemen or uh, a defensive end. I think I think a lot of these people do look straight to the head coach and say, okay, it's a different head coach. They had success under Norvell. Ken Silverfield do the same thing. And I just want to say to the football gods, can we please have football this year? Please. We got to. We got to. Let's do it. I'm down for it's, it. It's got to happen. <laughs> I'm going to cry if we don't. It's got to happen. Well, I've got All nothing right, else. Guys. Kenny? 55 minutes? You 55 got anything minutes else? Now. I have nothing else. Christian? I am all good and ready to record this VIP podcast. All right, y'all. Stay tuned. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.